Almighty Father, as we now come to your word, uh, it is our desire that you would be our teacher, that you would um, open up the scriptures to us in such a way that we would see Jesus. And will you equip us now uh, for, in particular, for uh, the trials and difficulties that we will inevitably face in life? Frightening though they are, will you grant them ultimately to be fuel for knowing Christ? Will you use them to bind us to Christ more fully? Will you use them uh, in order that we can ultimately reflect Jesus more fully? And we ask this in his name. Amen. Please be seated. And um, it would be helpful if you would turn back to page 10. We're looking at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, 7 through 18. Um, we're doing a little bit of a mini-series here, in, uh, looking at the epistle readings uh, in uh, 2 Corinthians. And today, uh, looking at that reading, uh, we need to wrestle with one of the greatest mysteries excuse me, uh, of the Christian life. And it's the mystery of Christian suffering. That's pleasant, isn't it? Um, and I, I need to uh, just um, qualify a few things here. Um, we're not today going to tackle the problem of evil or the problem of suffering in general. So um, you'll know that one of the biggest questions all of us have is uh, questions like, um, if God's good and powerful, how can evil happen in the world? Um, uh, does suffering, for instance, prove that God's not good? Does evil prove, for instance, that God is not powerful? Um, those are formidable questions, but those are very important questions. Those are questions that we should be asking here at Emmanuel, and we should be helping one another with. However, that is not the question uh, that we're going to wrestle with today. The question that we're going to tackle or wrestle with today is this. How does God use suffering? What purpose does uh, difficulty have within the Christian life? What use does God have for the difficulties that we face specifically as Christians? Now, this comes right out of uh, what we were talking about last week. So if you were with us last week, um, we looked at the paragraphs just before this reading. And what we said is um, that all of us as Christians and, and all of us as Emmanuel Church, we are designed, we are called to reflect Jesus like a mirror. Uh, and what, one of the things that we said is that we reflect the beauty of Jesus Christ, not simply through our strengths and maybe not even primarily through our strengths, giftings, abilities, rather... Very importantly, largely, we reflect the beauty of Jesus Christ through our weakness and our vulnerability and the challenges that we face. And what we said is that um, as a mirror, uh, we are to reflect Jesus, and God uses our weakness to, so to speak, tilt the mirror just right. So that when the world uh, outside us looks at Emmanuel Church or looks at us individually as Christians, uh, they don't simply see their own reflection and they don't even primarily see us. We want to be tilted like mirrors just the right way so that when people look at the mirror, what they see is Jesus Christ. What they see is the cross. And the Lord uses our experience of weakness to tilt the mirror just right so that when people look at us, they don't see us, they don't see themselves, but they see Jesus. Now... Today, Paul pushes it further. 
And what Paul says is, is this. There are certain gifts that God wants to give his people that only come to us when we suffer with Christ. That's a heavy thing to say. But the logic of it is crucial. We need to wade right into it because the logic of it comes right out of the cross. We cannot claim the cross of Christ without leading us to this conclusion because um, if you look at the life of Jesus, Jesus was a remarkable teacher. Uh, Jesus was a remarkable uh, miracle worker. However, if you read the stories of Jesus, it's very clear that Jesus' greatest achievement was not uh, his uh, teaching or his miracles, important as they were. His greatest achievement was through his suffering on the cross and the glory that followed it. And when we become Christians, and it was mentioned in the gospel reading, when we become the disciples of Jesus, what happens is Jesus comes to us and, and Jesus says, um, do you want to be my disciples? And, and, and we say, yes, Lord, I want to be your disciple. And, and then Jesus says, um, my path to glory, you must understand, ran through the cross. And then Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, um, yours does too. Your path to glory runs through a cross. Now, not the same cross. Jesus, it's not as if our suffering saves the world in the way that Jesus' suffering does. But nevertheless, it's as if Jesus looks at us and Jesus says, my cross is the compass that charts your path. Therefore, Jesus says, and he mentions it in the gospel very explicitly, take up your cross, deny yourself, follow me, lose your life for my sake, and I promise I'll give it back to you. Now, those are the realities that we've got to kind of wrestle through. And we're going to do that by looking at the epistle. But as we do that, I'm very aware that some of us here are Christians who are in pain. Right now, pain. And my prayer is that this passage gives you hope. Others of us are Christians, disciples of Jesus, who are not presently in pain. And if that's where you're at, then this passage is crucially important because it gives you uh, equipment for the storm that you cannot see right now but that is nevertheless certainly coming don't wait don't worry give it time and then some of us here are not christians we're not followers of jesus and if that's where you're at then i would ask you to to listen in sort of peek over the fence at christian experience of suffering and ask yourself the question can i trust jesus with suffering because if you find yourself coming to a place where I think maybe I can trust Jesus even with my suffering, then one of the things that that can mean is that you might be already right in the middle of becoming a Christian without even knowing it, in which case we should talk. All right? I want to show you three things. First of all, God gives a gift to us as we suffer with Christ. Secondly, God gives a gift through us as we suffer with Christ. And then finally, God certifies a gift for us in the end that gives us hope now. All right, let's jump in. First of all, God gives a gift to us in the midst of suffering. Look at verse 7 in the epistle reading on page 10. Uh, this is the Apostle Paul describing his own experience, and he writes this. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. 
struck down, but not destroyed. Now, keep looking at that uh, verse. Do you, know that, do, you remember, do you notice the remarkable resilience that the Apostle Paul demonstrates here? Uh, it's remarkable. He's afflicted, but he's not crushed. He's perplexed. You ever been perplexed? He's perplexed, but he's, he's not despairing. Uh, he's persecuted, but he's not forsaken. It would be tempting for me to preach a whole sermon on that verse and say that the gift that God gives us is that he gives us this power to walk through difficulty and suffering and great and grave challenges of life without them really getting us down. It would be tempting for me to preach that sermon. I could probably preach that sermon. However, tempting as that is, that's not the point that the passage is teaching us. At least not quite. We'll sort of get there in the end. Paul is remarkably resilient here. But his resilience is a result of the gift that God gives us, not the gift itself. So you need to look underneath the resilience and ask, what is the gift that God is giving Paul that enables him to be so resilient? And the answer to that question is in verse 10. Look at verse 10. And I want you to look for the words, in order that or so that. Verse 10 says, again, Paul talking about his own experience, I am always, we are always carrying around in the body the death of Jesus. That's the reference to suffering. But then here we go. So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Now, the context I think is important here. Um, in this section, Paul is talking about his own experience of being an apostle. Uh, uh, Paul started following Jesus, and then Jesus sent Paul around the world as a missionary to tell everybody about who he is. And it ends up that that work, that that job that Jesus gave him to do was excruciatingly difficult. Uh, I mentioned last week, earlier in uh, 2 Corinthians, Paul says, I feel like I am under the sentence of death. I am suffering so much. And here, Paul repeats that. He says, it feels a lot of the time like I am dying with Jesus. It feels like the death process in my life has been accelerated. However, thankfully, that's not the whole story. The purpose in the difficulty. God had a purpose for Paul in the midst of the difficulty. And the purpose of this excruciating difficulty, verse 10, is that the life of Jesus might be manifested in Paul's body and in the body of his, the people that were around him. So here's the question. What does it mean for the life of Jesus to be manifested in our mortal bodies in the midst of suffering? I was working on that all this week, and I don't know. I find it very difficult just from this verse to figure out exactly what he's talking about there. However... In the larger context of 2 Corinthians, we get some clues. And in particular, we get a very important clue in chapter 12. Almost at the very end of the book, Paul talks about how he's um, suffering in this particular way, a thorn in his flesh. We don't know exactly what it was, but he's praying and he says, Jesus, will you please take this thorn in the flesh, this suffering I'm experiencing, will you please take it away? And Jesus comes back and he says, no. No, not, or at least not yet. But then Jesus says something else. He says this. Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. 
and my power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul jumps in and he responds and he says to us, he says, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness. Apparently they're worth it. Why? So that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Okay, let me just cut to the chase. As far as I can tell from 2 Corinthians, the, pa- the greatest power that Jesus gives us is not the power to do great things. The greatest power that Jesus ever gives the Christian is the power to know Christ well, to know him well. The gift that God gives us through suffering is the gift of knowing Christ well or the gift of intimacy with Jesus Christ. Let me try to illustrate this. One of the most beautiful Christians I've ever met in my life uh, is a man who doesn't live in this country, and his name is Michael. Michael, when I say he's a beautiful Christian, I mean that he reflects the beauty of Jesus Christ with uh, phenomenal clarity. And he suffers uh, from MS. He, He suffers from multiple sclerosis. And as long as I've known him, um, I've watched his body visibly decline. And he's spoken publicly about his suffering. And I want to read to you a little bit of an interview he gave. Um, There'll be two voices, Michael's voice and the interviewer's voice. First, Michael. My experience has been that when we are in the midst of difficulty and in a place of despair... God draws incredibly close to us. And as you read through the Bible, through the Psalms, you'll read things like, God is close to the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. And that is the truth of who God is. That when our human plans seem torn asunder, God is still there. And there in a bigger way than he was before. It is a wonderful reminder of the love of God that when we face toughness or difficulty, he draws close to us. But then the interviewer comes back. Michael, let me push you on that, says the interviewer. Because I think for a lot of us, we think that suffering and joy just can't exist together. They are different sorts of things, Michael. Joy is when things are going really well, and if you suffer, joy goes out the window. But one of the things that struck me over the last year of getting to know you, Michael, is that that is not true for you. Suffering and joy are both experienced together, but it is a subtle thing. Michael. Well, I think that's right. They go hand in hand. They go hand in hand in the sense that if you asked me tonight, now, would you like, Michael, to give up your illness, I would say... I wouldn't give it up for the world because it has brought me so much closer to Jesus Christ than I ever would have been before or otherwise. So suffering and joy for me have gone hand in hand. Interviewer. Michael, that is quite remarkable. I am not sure I can say that, but that is remarkable. Now, I'm with the interviewer in that conversation because I don't like Michael's illness one bit. 
and I want God to heal him. And I believe absolutely that God can and has. And if Michael was here right now, he would want to say, afterwards, let's go talk about healing because I believe in it with everything in me. And in fact, he'd tell you stories about how God has healed him in various times in his life. I want God to heal him. But I am confronted by this fact. And my friend Michael has suffered more than I have. And my friend Michael knows Jesus more than I do. And he tells me that there is a moment by moment, breath by breath, dependence upon Jesus Christ that's better than everything and worth it all. And not only does he say that, the Apostle Paul says it. And before him, Jesus says it. And so as difficult as I find that idea, I proclaim it now to you. That there is a quality of closeness with Jesus that seems to be most fully known by those who have walked with him in the hard path. But there's more. Not only does God give a gift to us through suffering, he also gives a gift through us in suffering. Look at verse 15. Paul says, It is all for your sake, to the Corinthians, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. There's this idea of this uh, widening circle of grace that's encompassing more people. And as more people see the beauty of Jesus Christ, they start thanking God and glorifying God. And so what happens in this passage is the Apostle Paul talks about his experience of suffering, but then he transitions and he says, Corinthians, it's for you. You get the benefit. There was a gift from Paul's suffering that was given to the Corinthians. And here's why. Because as the Corinthians were in this relationship with the Apostle Paul, they got to watch Paul go through difficulty. They got to watch Paul walk through difficulty hand in hand with Jesus Christ. And they got to hear Paul speak to them and say, Um, Corinthians, painful as this experience is, Jesus is faithful and he keeps his promises and he renews me day in and day out with his own life. And as the Corinthians saw him suffer and heard him witness, it encouraged their hearts and it drew them closer to Jesus Christ because they got to see what grace looks like, not in the abstract, but in action. My friend Michael is one of the best evangelists I've ever met in my life. I used to lead a baptism course with him. So these are people who were still kind of figuring out whether or not they were going to be Christians. And and so they were kind of peeking over the fence and kicking the tires a little bit. And... um, and, and so we'd, uh, what happens is I would, I would explain the theology in the abstract, and then I'd pitch it over to Michael, and I'd say, hey, Michael, explain to us how this works for real people. Um, and, and what he would then do is, uh, in, in his wonderful way, he would describe the beauty of Jesus Christ and how it's been refracted in his life. And then everybody would want to become Christians then, <laughs> including me. I, like, I was like, can I, can I, oh, I meant, oh, well, okay. You know, um, how could he do that? He could do that for at least two reasons. His difficulty gave him credibility. And his closeness with Jesus just made him so compelling. And so there's people who walk with Jesus today, I could name them, I won't, but, who walk with Jesus today precisely because Michael walked with Jesus through pain. 
2 Corinthians chapter 1 puts it this way. God comforts us in all of our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction with the comfort that we ourselves have been comforted by God. Now, what this means for you and me uh, is that if you want to reflect Jesus, which is your mission if you're a Christian and it's our mission as a church, if you want to reflect Jesus, then one of the best ways you will ever do that is by walking with Jesus through suffering and losing your life with Jesus and then trusting him to give it back to you. And then over the course of that story, honestly telling other people that Jesus Christ is good for his word. And if you're in pain right now, let me just say, don't give up. Don't give up. Set your eyes on Jesus Christ. Entrust yourself to Jesus Christ. And the day will come, I can't tell you when it's going to come, but the day will come when you will tell the story of this season of your life, painful as it is, but the theme of the story will not be, it was so gruesomely dark that the theme of it will be Jesus Christ in the midst of the darkness proved himself faithful. The Lord Jesus Christ is faithful even in the darkest time. I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, but I found that I was not alone and that there was a shepherd that, there was, that was there with me. And other people will hear and they'll meet the shepherd too. One of the things that it means is that the story that I'm in is not my story alone. Jesus owns the copyright to my story. And it is his desire to give my story away to somebody else and to give your story away to somebody else. So don't give up. But I can imagine somebody coming back and me saying, what, what, what? but right now all I see is the dark. And I've prayed and I don't hear a voice. And I've prayed and I don't feel Jesus. What do I do then? Look at verse 16. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. You know, if you're a Christian, um, there came a time uh, when, did you forget this? There was a time when you found out that um, nothing you could do to get, could get yourself, could get you to heaven. You, you couldn't be good enough. That wasn't going to work. Um, but, but then, the good news is, when you became a Christian, you found out that Jesus, Jesus did. Jesus has done everything on the cross. He's done everything to get you into heaven, to get you there. And it may be that right now, in the midst of the darkness, which what you're going to discover is that you don't have the power even to get yourself through the darkness, but that Jesus does. Just like he can get you to heaven, he can get you through this and he can get you home to his glory. And watch how that works. Look at verse 17. For this light and momentary affliction, says Paul, and don't forget he's in the midst of the darkness himself, this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Now, if you're in pain right now, let me ask you a question. Does it feel light? Of course it doesn't. It feels heavy. 
Okay. But take that heaviness now and take it to Jesus and look at him upon the cross. Was his suffering heavy or light? It was heavy. It was infinitely heavy, at least because his suffering carried your suffering in it in a way that I can't entirely describe. But then go from Jesus' cross to his resurrection. The glory of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, does that glory outweigh the weight of his suffering upon the cross? The joy of the resurrection of Jesus Christ outweighed the weight of the darkness and the suffering of the cross just like the joy of a newborn baby outweighs the pain of labor. And the story has changed after that baby cries out. It's a story of new life now. And Jesus, through this passage, promises you a weighty glory. He will share with you his own weighty glory. And that glory that he will share with you is so heavy that one day you will look back on your pain now and you will say, painful as it is, and you will never for a moment cheapen the pain that you experience now. You will know the full weight of its pain, but nevertheless, compared to the glory that you're tasting then, you will be able to say it is light. It was light compared to the glory that Jesus has purchased for me and given me now. So don't look just at what you can see. Look at what you can't see. Look at the face of Jesus Christ. Or think about the momentary affliction. Does it feel momentary right now? No. No, when it, when it hurts, it feels permanent. That's part of how pain feels. It feels like it's going to be forever. Go to the suffering of Jesus. Because when Jesus suffered upon the cross, he, that wasn't the only time he suffered. The Gospel of Luke tells us that he, he considered his whole 33 years to be a series of trials. But then again, look at the resurrection. Because 33 years of struggle is a very long time, but not compared to 2,000 years of glory that Jesus has known since. And that clock is still ticking. And if you belong to Jesus, then he will give you and share of his own eternal glory. And in that day, your pain, which you feel now, which again will never be cheapened, but it will seem momentary. So don't look at just what you can see. Look at what it is that you cannot see yet. Look at the face of Jesus Christ, and you will see your future. You will see your sure and certain hope. Look at the resurrection of Jesus Christ and you are gazing into your future if you belong to him. And as you gaze and look at him, take yourself and say, Jesus Christ, I cannot perform my way out of this pain and I can't even uh, garner any resilience in the midst of it, but will you now do what I cannot do for myself and will you carry me, carry me, carry me? And as the Lord Jesus Christ carries you, that is called faith and that is called trust. And he will walk with you and he will walk with you closely and yes, you will suffer. We will all suffer. You will be afflicted. But you will not be crushed. And you will be perplexed sometimes. We are perplexed sometimes. But despair won't win when you are hand in hand with Jesus Christ. And you will be persecuted, but Jesus won't forsake you. And you will be struck down, but even when you die, you will not be destroyed forever because that will be the first taste of your eternal glory. So don't lose heart. 
But look at what you can't see. 